Oh, praise the Lord. Technical difficulties. Hallelujah. Wasn't the worship wonderful this morning? Beautiful music. Amen. Okay. I got to switch to the handheld. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, good. I'm getting rid of this thing. Well, uh, as you may surmise, um, number one, I am not Tracy. And, uh, and for those of you who do not know who I am, I'm Lex Brown. I'm the Freedom Prayer Pastor here at Living Waters Outreach, Reach, and I am doing announcements and tithe and offering this morning. So I don't normally do this, so bear with me. Uh, first of all, I think some announcements are in the bulletin, uh, not very many. Uh, there's Vacation Bible School going on on the July 27th through 29th. Um, and, uh, and I'll be sure to tune in on Wednesday nights. Uh, the pastor, Pastor Robert's going through uh, the spirit of life. And so you want to be sure you don't miss out on any of those uh, because it's going to talk about our salvation. Amen? So uh, teaching out of Romans chapter 8. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, if anybody needs an um, uh, offering envelope, there's one in your bulletin, or you can raise your hand and they'll bring one by for you when we do the, uh, the uh, tithe and offering in a moment. Uh, one other thing I wanted to let you know about is we just finished uh, two discipleship courses last week. We're taking a break this week. And we're going to start up again next week. And so Bruce McCown is going to be uh, leading the uh, Growing in Christ study. It's a 13-week study. Um, and I would encourage those who want to become rooted and grounded in the big truths of our faith to uh, sign up for this course. Well, actually, there's no sign-up sheet. Uh, so if you'll let either... Bruce, I don't even know if they're here today, or me, no, after the, uh, oh, there they are, way over there, uh, know that you want to attend this course. So you'll go through 13 weeks, you memorize a verse with each of the weeks, and, um, and then you study, do a Bible study on that verse. So it's like assurance uh, of salvation, assurance of forgiveness, assurance of victory, assurance of uh, guidance, um, putting Christ first, love, um, good works, giving, all of those big truths of the Bible you will study, and at the end of 13 weeks, you'll have 13 verses hidden away in your heart. Um, for those who just finished that course, uh, they've graduated, and, and for those that want to, can go on to the course that I teach using the book First Freedoms, and it's going to uh, give you the opportunity to go deeper into uh, the Father, abide with the Father God, and to stay free, learn how to achieve freedom and walk in freedom, and then how to bear fruit in your own personal ministry in the body of Christ. Uh, so we'll be starting up both of those courses next week over in the Fellowship Hall area. So if um, you want to join Growing in Christ, uh, either show up over there or get with Bruce or me after the service. Amen? Okay. So I was in my uh, quiet time this morning, and I was reading in Proverbs chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters. And 
Everybody knows verses 5 and 6, but then it says somewhere, I have a different Bible. I read in a Bible for my quiet time, and then I get this one because it's large print, and, uh, but the, everything's on a different page. <laughs> yeah, you have that problem too. Yeah, so um, anyway, here it is. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Amen? So we can honor him today with our tithes and with our offerings. Now, I don't know about you. I don't have vats of wine at my house. But I do know that I, if you do this, I pray that your well will be filled with water. Amen? In the midst of a drought, as we give, he gives back. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these tithes and offerings today. I thank you that uh, you'll take it and you will multiply it just like you did the bread and the fishes. And you will use it to glorify yourself and grow your kingdom. And we pray all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> As many of you know, I uh, uh, was uh, Air Force in the Air Force. I was a pilot in the Air Force and uh, finished a career. And one of the things that we had, at least as fighter pilots, is we had a little saying that flexibility was the key to air power. And, uh, and it happens in church, too, because when microphones don't work and when you end up having to do the announcements, flexibility is the key. So thank you for bearing with me. So I, I told you I had a, a large print Bible here, but really the print's not quite big enough. 
or what I may end up doing is switching glasses. But anyway, okay, well, are you ready to receive a word from the Lord? Amen. Amen. So am I. So uh, let's listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say to the church. Amen? Okay, so uh, Jeannie and I have been doing uh, Freedom Prayer Ministry for a decade. And so we have been, we have done Freedom Prayer with hundreds of people. And I have noticed over that 10 years that there is a recurring theme in Freedom Prayers. And that recurring theme is that people come with a lack of joy. And it'll show up in, during the Freedom Prayer, usually in their story. So as they're relating their story, it, their story is laden with a lack of joy. Or they just may come out and say, I'm here because I've lost my joy. Or I have a lack of joy. Or there's no joy in my life. And so our prayer during, during the freedom prayer time is that the Holy Spirit would come and just lay His finger right down on the, on the reason why they've lost their joy and lead them back to joy. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Amen? So, get your Bibles out. We're going to go to the Word of God. And open up your Bibles to Psalm uh, 16. Now I'm going to be reading primarily from the New Living Translation this morning. Uh, I may bounce uh, back and forth between several versions just to get at the essence of the word. So we're going to start in Psalm 16 and verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. In the New Living, it says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. Now, in the, in the New King James, the second phrase there, granting me the joy of your presence, is in your presence there is fullness of joy. And the, and the Hebrew word for fullness means that. It means to be full. It means satiety. It means to be filled up until you can't hold anymore. That kind of fullness. So it says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Now, the word for, the Hebrew word for presence that gets translated into English as presence is panim. I love this word because it literally means face, your face, panim, face, the face of God. So we could look at this as saying that you're going to grant me the joy of looking at your face. It's the same thing that we see over in Deuteronomy, actually. Um, Deuteronomy 34 is the chapter, you may recall, uh, about the death of Moses. And it says in verse 10, there, was, there has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. 
that same word, panim to panim. So Moses had that, that relationship with the Father where he was able to meet with him face to face. He received the law, the Ten Commandments from the Father, and he was looking at him face to face. And so the promise in Psalm 1611 is that we can have fullness of joy in looking at the Father's face. We can see his delight. We see the sparkle in his eyes. We know that he loves us. We see his holiness. We see his glory. We see his pleasure in being with us and having us in his presence. And we are filled with joy. Amen? Okay, so now let's flip over to, into the New Testament and let's develop this a little bit more. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 6. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow. So he is planted his light in our hearts so that we could know, know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The Greek word for face is prosopon, and it means face. It means if I were to look at uh, Frankie and I, and I look at him, I see his face. But it even means more than that. It means your countenance by which you look at one's face and you are able to see the inward thoughts and feelings of that person. I just finished a little course on called Emotion Coaching. Uh, for how you can emotion coach your children. And in this course, it, we're taught how to know and understand the emotions that our children are going through. And we actually studied the different expressions on a face so that you know whether it's anger, joy, contempt, confusion, you can read that on one's face. And so now we come and we have the ability to come to the Father, to come to Jesus and look at their face and know and understand and see their face and be filled with joy because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit love us. Amen? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love joy, and peace, among others, of the nine characteristics. But the first three, love, joy, and peace. The big ones, they're interwoven. They're like a, the, a fine linen that has been woven together. And that's love, joy, and peace. And we can see that on the face of the Father. We see that in the face of Jesus Christ. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I know it's in the Bible somewhere. Here it is. Okay. 
And we'll start at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, that came from chapter 11, which is the faith chapter. It listed all the people that walked in faith. We are surrounded by them. They're the witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let's stop right there. So so the writer of Hebrews likens our Christian walk to a race, and a race that has to be run with endurance. The Apostle Paul does the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and he likens our journey to a race in which everyone competes. We're running for the prize, and we have to run according to the rules. So it's saying here in Hebrews that we have to run this race with endurance, that this race has been set before us, and we do this, verse 2, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Huh? Because we want to run this race with joy. We want to run this race with endurance. Look what it continues to say. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And so what we see is that Jesus, even though he had to go to the cross, had his eyes fastened on the Father, and he was experiencing fullness of joy even in the midst of his suffering. Amen? Okay, so hold all these thoughts together and now flip over to First Thess, First Thessalonians chapter 2. Because what I want to do here is I want us to understand what joy really is, okay? So look at verse 17. So Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. After all, what gives us hope and joy, and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns, it is you, yes, you are our pride and joy. And so, because he wasn't able to see the the Thessalonians, he sent Timothy to go check out and see how they were doing and see if their faith was still holding strong. And so in chapter 3, Timothy returns with a report in verse 6, and he says, but now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. Okay, one more. Go over to 2 John, the book of 2 John. There's no chapters, it's a little short book, and we're going to look at um, verse 12. So, so uh, John is, is writing to the chosen lady and her children, it says up in the first verse, and then he says, I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to do it with paper and ink, for I hope... 
to visit you soon and talk with you face to face. Then our joy will be complete. Okay, so listen to this. Joy happens in relationship. Joy happens in relationship. It happens in relationship with the Father. It happens in relationship with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. And it happens in relationship with one another. When we come into fellowship together, when we walked into this sanctuary this morning, and we came and we looked in the other person's eyes, and we saw that glint, that sparkle, that joy that says, I am happy to be with you. That is joy. That's the way the body of Christ works. The body of Christ and each of us runs on joy. When we were created, and you read it in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we were created in the image of God. God said, let us make man in our own image. We are made in his image, and we were made to run on joy. Joy is the oil that oils all of our parts and makes us run smoothly. So when we come together, it should be in joy. But there are things that can keep us from joy. And that's what I want to talk about next. It's dry up here. So... um, What can keep us from having joy? Well, number one, we've already said, is that we have to spend time with the Father. If you're not spending time in his presence, if you're not looking into the Father's face, if you're not experiencing everything that he has for you, you can't be filled with joy. So we have to be spending time in his presence. I love Psalm 62, verse 5 in the New Living. It says, let all that I am wait quietly before God. I go over that every morning and every night, and I just meditate on it because I want all that I am, my soul, to come before him and wait quietly on him and be in his presence and just look in his face and understand his love for me. And I respond back to him in love. Time with the Father. If we're not spending time with the Father, we're not going to experience joy. What else separates us from joy? Sin. Turn over to... um, Psalm 51. Many of you will know that Psalm 51 is penned by David after his sin with Bathsheba. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, and and he experienced separation from God because of that sin. And in verse 10, he says, "'Create in me a clean heart, O God.'" Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. So sin separates our hearts, separates our spirits, separates us from the presence of God, and robs us of our joy. Third thing, I see this in freedom prayer 99% of the time, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will rob you of your joy. Matthew 18, I'm not going to go over, I don't have time for this, but Matthew 18, at the end of the chapter, it talks about the unforgiving servant, or in some Bibles it would say the unforgiving debtor. So this was a servant who was forgiven a ton of money by the king, and then he turns around and he refuses to forgive another servant for just a little bit of money. And when the king finds out, he, verse um, 33, shouldn't you, this is the king speaking, he says, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I'm going to tell you what, there is no joy in prison where you're being tortured. So we must be quick to forgive and be restored. When we forgive, we're let out of jail, and we are restored to the Father, and when we come back to the presence of the Father, we experience fullness of joy. So, let's think of joy in terms of having a joy tank. We have a joy tank, and we want to keep our joy tank full. So I've already gone over three things that that will cut off our joy, so the opposite will restore our joy. Spend time with the Father. Amen? Confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9, what I call the Christian's bar of soap. If, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're restored to the Father. We're restored to joy, and we forgive others, and we're let out of prison, and we're let back into joy. So those three things. So one of the other things is the enemy can come along, and he can shoot some torpedoes into your joy tank and poke holes in your joy tank, and your joy tank is going to leak joy. And you may find out after a period of time that your joy tank is empty. And all of a sudden you're saying, what's going on? I don't, I I see it in freedom prayer, remember? I, I don't, my joy's gone. I don't know where it went. So, um, So we need to be sure that we plug the holes in our joy tank. One of the ways that we can uh, get holes in our joy tank is when we get trapped in negative emotions. And there are six that I want to mention to you 
because it all has to do with our brain and how our brain operates. I don't have time to go into that today, but they are anger, fear, shame, sadness, disgust, and despair. When we get trapped in those emotions, it saps our joy. And when we are in those emotions and we constantly think about them, we're constantly angered or we run around and we're always sad and moping around. And because we, we haven't gotten what we need to know we need to do in order to return to joy, then we are stuck in those um, emotions. And that's what happens in freedom prayer. I've seen it over and over and over again when the Holy Spirit comes in and shows where the lie was sown, where the person developed an ungodly belief, where they got entangled in the affairs of life, and they got stuck in this circuit going round and round in these six big emotions, and they had lost their joy, and the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to them and restores them to joy. It is a miracle to watch. It is a joy to watch. It makes me giggle inside to see the Holy Spirit love on a person and return them to joy. Another way that, that this happens is what I call accumulated trauma. It's all the experiences that we have from the time we are born. Because we have an enemy whose job is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so from the time, even before we're born actually, even in utero, the enemy can be at work to, um, to inflict trauma. In the, in the medical world, we call this adverse childhood experiences, or ACE for short. And, and um, I just finished another course in trauma-sensitive care, and it is amazing to see how trauma is inflicted, in, in, especially in children, and, and they, receive, they receive things that they never should have been exposed to, or on the other side, they never receive the good things they should have received, and that is trauma. And that trauma is carried along in their body and in their minds, and it goes on into adulthood. So that trauma steals joy. And it isn't until the Holy Spirit comes in and He is able to go back and heal that trauma and restore those people to joy that they are able to continue to walk in joy in the presence of the Father for enjoy His pleasures forevermore. Amen? Okay. There's one other one that I want to mention before we get to, to a very uh, important point, and that is, and it's relatively new, and is a source of stealing your joy. It's called screen time, face magnet, I don't know what you want to call it, but you can see, you just go to any restaurant, what's that? Yeah. So you can go to any restaurant 
and look at anybody at any table and everybody sitting at that table is right here. What does that do? It is stealing your face time with real people. And I'll tell you what, Zoom, FaceTime, uh, Google Meet, those are no replacement for real, in the flesh, meeting and looking in one another's eyes. So if the definition of joy is being in the presence of somebody else who is happy to be with you, we have got to learn to tame this. We have got to learn to be together in one another's presence and enjoying one another's joy. Okay, why is that important? Well, listen, uh, John 16:33, Jesus says, "These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace, because in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world." Turn over to James chapter one. This is really important. James chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. In other versions, it says, count it all joy when you undergo various trials. So this seems like a paradox, but we can experience joy in the midst of tribulation. When we're undergoing a trial, we're not going to be happy. That's okay. That's what happens when we go through trials. We can be unhappy. We can experience grief. We can experience sadness. But we can also experience them at the same time with joy. We just saw it in Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, went all the way to the cross. So he experienced the pain of being flogged, being beaten, having a crown of thorns pressed into his head, being nailed to a cross, and hanging on the cross, and all that time, he was experiencing joy. And we can do the same thing. So no matter where we're going, what we're going through, we can experience that trial, and we can experience with joy, but it, it takes the body. And here's the important point, is when we're going through trials and tribulations, we go through it together. We support one another. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It talks about the body. And when one of the body, one part of the body suffers, all the body suffers. When one part is glad, all the body is glad. And we do it together because we are together looking at each other's eyes and we are experiencing joy. And in that joy of one another's presence, we are able to bear up under trials and tribulation. And the important thing about that is the rest of the story. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, 
For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So what happens when we go through trials and tribulation and we do it together, we support one another, we do it in the midst of suffering with joy, then we are transformed. We are created, we are we are changed. 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so we are being changed into his likeness. Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so we we, when we're going through this pressure test and, and it, you know that your faith is tested and your dirt has a chance to grow and we're being changed and our character is being purified and we're being made like Jesus. So take heart, church. It doesn't matter what's swirling around us today. We have a loving Father that we can go to and we can look into His face and know and understand that He loves us and He will carry us through to the other side just like the Israelites went from Egypt through the Red Sea on dry land and they went into the promised land. That's what the Father will do for us. Amen? Okay, well, I don't know how long I've been going. I was just depending on the Holy Spirit, but I want to close with this. I'm going to close with a warning, and then I want to close with my own personal testimony. I need a drink of water. Turn over to Revelation chapter 2. Agua. Living water. Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. That's good. He is commending them for what they're doing. They're doing hard work. They're enduring without quitting. They expose evil for what it is. That's good. But then look what he says. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Other versions say you have lost your first love. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So church, here's the warning. Don't lose your first love. Do not lose your joy. 
The Father has called us to himself. He's called us into his very presence to look into his face and see the love in his face and the sparkle in his eye. And we're told to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And we are to love one another in the same way. John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do not lose your first love. Do not lose your love for one another. Do not lose the ability to come into another person's presence and let them see in your eyes the joy that you have for them and that says, I want to be with you right now. I am happy to be with you right now. 1 John 4, 7, and 8, we sing that scripture song. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone who loves is, is loved by God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So we need to not lose that first love. Because what happens is he's going to remove that church's lamp stand from amongst all the other ones. I don't want to be there. I want to stay in his presence forever. So let me close with this. Um. So in the Freedom Prayer Ministry here at Living Waters Outreach, uh, the Freedom Prayer team goes through their own Freedom Prayers uh, every six months. And that's so that the team can stay free, can walk in freedom, so that we can minister in freedom. So two weeks ago, I had my own personal Freedom Prayer, and I want to tell you about it. I had a wonderful team. As Bruce and Sharon McCown and Larry Rhodes. And when I walked into the room, they were sitting in the room and they greeted me. And you know what I saw in their faces? Joy. They were happy for me to come into that room and be with them, and they wanted to be with me. And already, as I stepped into that room and I sat down in that chair, I felt safe. I felt secure, and I felt loved. And I knew that I could tell them anything I wanted to with safety knowing that they were going to receive me in love. And I came into that room, and I was frustrated, and I was weary and losing heart. Forgive me if I weep. And, and as I came into that room, I want, to, I want you to know and understand this. I knew the word. I knew Galatians 6, 9 that says, and do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. I knew Hebrews 12, 3 that said, consider him who suffered from sinners such hostility against himself so that you do not become weary or faint-hearted. I knew those verses, but I was still weary and faint-hearted. 
And I came into that room and sat down with those three people who loved me and wanted to be in my presence, and I shared with them my heart. And in the course of the Freedom Prayer, we together went to the Father to be in his presence, because we can. Jesus made the way for us to go right into the Holy of Holies. You can read about that in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 20 to 22. It's true, church. We can go right into his presence, just like we started out with in Psalm 16, verse 11. In his presence is fullness of joy. So we went into his presence. I closed my eyes, and I went into the presence of the Father, and here's what happened. I was in an intensive care unit, just the Father and me. We were seated in an ICU in the nurse's station, in the middle of the ICU. We were the only two there. We were seated side by side. The Father was on my right side. I was on his left, and he had his left arm around my shoulders. All of the ICU beds in that ICU were filled with very ill people. There were monitors on, blinking, ticking, IVs were flowing, ventilators were going whoosh, whoosh, and, and, and I knew all around me there was suffering and we were right in the middle of it, and I was with the Father. And here's what happened, is I experienced, without a word being said, I experienced His love like I have never experienced it before. And it reminded me of the stories I'd heard of people who had near-death experiences, and they came back, and they said, there was a love, but I don't have words to express it. That's what I felt. To try to put words to it, it was the most unbelievable calm, the most unbelievable sense of security, the most overwhelming sense of carelessness, of being there Time was arrested. There was no time. It was just being in his presence and being filled with his joy and his comfort and his everlastingness. I don't have the words to explain it, but it was overwhelming. And I soaked in that for a little bit. And then I looked at the Father and I said, Father God, I know you give good gifts to your children, what gift would you like to give me? And he said one word. He said, stamina. And I went, stamina. That's exactly what I need, but I'm not too sure what that means. <laughs> I knew stamina was a good thing. It kind of meant to endure. And, but right there in that room, I got on this thing, and I go to Webster's, and I look up stamina, and it has a several definitions, but the one that really got me 
that I hold in my heart right now, and I have the notes that Sharon wrote down, and I go over them every day. He says, I'm giving you staying power. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, when, when I left there, I was renewed. I was refreshed. I was walking on air. I had a new sense of what the Holy Spirit was doing in me. And I had experienced the fullness of His joy. That's what I'm talking about, church. We all have the ability to come to Him and bask in His presence. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is ours, and we can walk in it because we have nailed the passions of the flesh to the cross. Amen? Amen? So I want you to be encouraged today. Everybody watching and viewing, be encouraged the Father is for you, so who can be against you? Amen? So whatever you're going through, do it in the fellowship of the body of Christ and be transformed in your character. So why don't you stand up with me right now and let's close. I don't know if we have a prayer team. If we have a prayer team... Partners, could you come up to the front? Anybody that needs prayer this morning for anything, or if you just don't, if you know you your joy has been stolen, come up and let them pray about joy. If you need healing, let them pray about your about healing. Whatever you need, the Father will meet. Amen. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have spoken to us this morning by your Spirit. You have caused your face to shine upon us. We see you in your sanctuary, in your glory and your power. And we want you to know that we love you. We thank you that you have given us everything that we need. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not give us all things with him? That's your promise, Father. And we thank you with hearts that are overflowing with joy and love and thanksgiving. So we want to walk in the power of the Spirit. We want to walk in that joy. And we want to know you better every day. We want to be changed into the likeness of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. We want to see you. Unite us, Father God. Unite all of us, even those who are watching. There are people watching right now in Nairobi, Kenya Church. We, we, the word is going out, and the body of Christ is being united, and we are one in Christ Jesus our Lord. So thank you, Father. Thank you, for giving us good gifts that we can walk in them and we can use them to build the church up in love. We praise you, we worship you, 
we give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Be blessed, church.